morning, I want to uh, start like a, a two-week series uh, for the next just two weeks called Beholding Jesus. Beholding Jesus. Next week, I want to talk about beholding what he beholds. It's like a play on words, but we'll hopefully get to what that means. But today, I want to talk about beholding Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to talk about what happens in us and to us when we truly behold Jesus. How many of you know that the word behold is not really a common word in the 2021 vocabulary? Okay, nobody is walking around like, hey, went to Wendy's and beheld a Baconator. <laughs> like, you don't use the word. You don't use the word behold to really describe uh, things that you may see. It's really a lost word. Uh, when most people think of the word behold, instantaneously, you probably think of the word see or look. Uh, they're similar, but they're not synonymous. Behold is a deeper way of seeing. See, seeing and beholding are not the same. Now, why do I say that? Because how many of you know that we see a lot of things every day, but just because we see things doesn't mean we behold them. Let me, let me kind of just explain that. Um, we are in a, especially if you're a millennial or if you're in the whatever label it is under the millennials, um, scrolling through Instagram, it's impossible to behold. All you're doing is seeing. It, it, you're, just, you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You can't be captivated by anything. You're just scrolling. Okay, there's a difference between seeing or looking and beholding. You can see a lot of things every day, but just because you see it doesn't mean you've behold, beheld it. Even Jesus spoke of this difference in Mark chapter 4, verse 12. He spoke of a people who would see but not perceive. They would see him, but the, they would not perceive. That word perceive, it, it, it actually is the Greek word for behold. Behold is different. He was saying that they would see him, but they wouldn't necessarily behold him. Just because you see something doesn't mean you behold it. When scripture says behold, this is what it means. It means don't miss this. If you, if you read scripture, now behold is probably not in the message translation, or uh, it's probably not in the passion translation, maybe it is, but in some of the newer generations, you won't necessarily see this word, but in some of the older generations, there will be verses that will say, and behold, that should be a stopping point for you to not scroll through. You should actually really examine this verse so that you don't miss it. Behold means don't miss this. To, to behold something is actually an old English word, and this is what it means. To thoroughly hold on to something or someone. That's different than just seeing, isn't it? Okay? It speaks of the reality that of seeing something that so captivates, it, captivates you, you can't get it off your mind. It stays with you. Matter of fact, you probably said this before. We have used phrases like, uh, like, man, that was a sight to see. Or what about this one? Certainly that was something to behold. When you see something that really grips you or grabs you, you hold on to it. That's what beholding means. 
And so this, these phrases speak of beholding. Beholding means this, that you are thoroughly held by the thing you have seen. In other words, when you truly behold something, the object that you behold, you aren't just holding on to, but it is holding on to you. See, I, I, I will never forget, it lingers in your soul beyond the moment you saw it. Uh, saw it. When people, when a man or a woman sees their mate, and they say it was love at first sight, that's not seeing, that's beholding. Yeah. <laughs> that is a beholding moment. I'll never forget when uh, I beheld Allison, because I had seen Allison for years. But then there was a moment where I beheld her. <laughs> And that moment was accompanied with like, okay, okay. And you know, you would think like if, if I was playing out a movie in Hollywood, it would have been in this amazing environment. You know, we would have been doing something significant. Nope. She opened a door into a Wendy's and something just, poof, I beheld her for the first time, like in a way I'd never seen her before. It was over for me. I was like, Okay, I'm, we're going to sit and eat some nuggets together <laughs> today. We'll see, we'll eat some nuggets. Matter of fact, I got you. I'm loaded. Go ahead, put order two. I got you. I remember this one time I was a poor college student, and I came to the church, and I was just talking about being broke, and Pastor Dwight gave me $4. He said, go get lunch. And I, I, went, I, I walked away. I didn't cry there. But I was in my car like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> my man got me a four for four. <laughs> but there was a moment that I beheld her. It wasn't on our wedding day. I beheld her before our wedding day. It, matter of fact, if I, didn't be, if I hadn't behold, beholded her, <laughs> I feel like George Bush making words up. <laughs> if I hadn't beholded her, I mean, your vocabulary is at another level when you beholded somebody. <laughs> but if I hadn't had that moment, we wouldn't have gotten married. Okay, right. because you don't get married for strategy. Right. You get married because you behold somebody. And you're not only, not only holding on to them, but they're holding on to you. See, beholding isn't seeing. Beholding is having your eyes open to what's right in front of you. Uh, it's, it's one thing to behold someone or something, but I'm telling you, when you behold Jesus, it's an entirely different experience. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 6 actually describes this, the moment that Isaiah beheld. So if I get my, my word wrong, just correct me, I don't care. But the moment he beheld God. Listen to Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And notice the reaction of Isaiah beholding God. Woo, I am ruined. You ever been undone because you beheld Jesus? Yeah. I am a man of unclean lips. Now that's the crazy thing about when you behold Jesus because it is glorious, but it's also miserable at the same moment. 
Be, you are, you are, it is glorious because you are being captivated by what you behold, but it's also miserable because you know your own depravity. The closer you get to holy, the more unholy you realize you are. And here's Isaiah. The whole place is trembling, and he's like, oh, my gosh, you are incredible, but I'm also miserable. I'm terrible. I'm so unrighteous. I can't even stand in this moment. He said, I live among a people of unclean lips. I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Listen, when the angels around the throne say, holy, 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 it's because they are perpetually beholding Jesus. And with every holy, it's another beholding of who Jesus is. See, when you see the king of kings, you don't just see him, you are beheld by him. He was gripped by what he saw. I'll never forget right around here at at a winter camp, there's a kid named Noah, and two months before winter camp, his mom had died of cancer, and he was at winter camp, and he had never had an experience with the Lord, and I was probably standing right there, and in the middle of worship, he looks, turns around, and he says, I've seen God for the first time in his life. He wasn't seeing, he was beholding. I've seen God. I'll never forget that moment, because he He wasn't just seeing Jesus, he was beholding Jesus, and it caused this disruption inside of him that was amazing. God doesn't just want you to know about him, he wants you to behold him. God doesn't want you to just read this book to know about him, he wants you to behold him in the book. You can have a whole bunch of scriptures memorized, the Pharisees even did that, but How crazy was it that they could memorize scripture and still not behold Jesus when Jesus was around? This is a difference. Beholding God is an invitation from him. Psalms chapter 27, verse 8. This is David speaking of what God said to him. It says this. It says, when you, God, said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, shall I seek. This is what beholding looks like. Looks like beholding is seeking after God until you behold him, until you are held. Now that takes time. Let me tell you, as a parent of young kids, I can see my kids every day, but honestly, if I'm just being totally honest, I don't necessarily behold them. Because you can be going through the rhythm of your life and things can be fast and furious and and you can be just longing for the break from parenting. Like 8.30, is the moment where the fruit of the spirit of kindness is most tested. It's where I want to take my hat off. Get out! It is bedtime! But I can get caught up in life and not actually stop and say, this is a little human that my wife and I made. And they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't come to that conclusion if you're not beholding. If you're seeing, you get frustrated. You get mad. You get angry. You get impatient. you got to behold. It's different. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 encourages us to behold Jesus when it says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the rake, race marked out for us. What? Going what? 
That's where you actually respond. Fixing our eyes. Fixing, not glancing. Gazing, not looking. That's what it is. Fixing our eyes. Don't just give God a glance. Fix your eyes on him until you are captivated and beheld by him. Fixing your eyes can't be hurried and it can't be rushed. Glancing at God is a quick thing. It's a passing thing. Fixing requires focus. It demands stillness. That's why in Psalm, David or God said in 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. It demands consistency. Consistency. It's a daily time that you come before Jesus to fix your eyes upon him. Listen, if the only time you're fixing your eyes on Jesus is Sunday morning at church, you are giving a glance, not a gaze. It's just a glance because this will be over in about an hour. It's a glance. It's not a gaze. Gaze requires day in and day out coming before Jesus and saying, it's like Jacob where he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Uh, someone who beholds Jesus is saying, I won't, I won't leave from this moment till I am captivated by you. Yeah. It's the quality, not the quantity. It's really fixing your eyes and your focus on Jesus. I love what John said at the beginning of his gospel. I mean, I've been struck this just this week, maybe two weeks ago. How do you, if you follow Jesus, Jesus died and he ascended into, arose again and he ascended into heaven, and then you sit down and you start to pen this gospel about Jesus, how do you even start? I would where do you start? It was so incredible. How do you even begin the book? And John captures it so beautifully in uh, verses 9 through 14. He said, he, Jesus, was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and he did not uh, his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, have you received him this morning? Amen. To them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Wow. You know what that means? That means that, see, what he's talking about is the fact that they were different because how many people saw Jesus but didn't behold him? Right. And he's looking back at life and saying, man, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the God of the universe was walking right next to you and you glanced but you never gazed. Don't miss it! This is him. We beheld, we didn't just see Jesus, we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw his majesty, his magnificence, his splendor. As the song goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, full, not partially. Full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So how do you behold Jesus? How do you behold Jesus? Graham Cook puts it this way. Prayer, worship, reading scripture, meditative devotional time before the Lord are the means to which we behold him. We, 
Most of us already know that, right? But just because these are the means doesn't mean it gets you to the end. Okay? It doesn't necessarily get you to the end. These are exercises. These are the means by which the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and we behold him. Ephesians 1.18, Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your hearts are enlightened. That is the beholding. What is enlightenment? It means that you are taking in new light. You can only take in new light if you are gazing at something that's emitting it. So these are the means. We're reading, we're praying, we're meditating, we're worshiping. They're all great practices. They're all great exercises. But they won't necessarily get you to the end if you're just doing it without the right heart. That's why Paul said, I pray that the hearts, your heart, it's a heart issue. That the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you would behold Jesus. We behold him with the eyes of our heart. One of the questions that I want to ask you this morning is, what is the destination of your devotional life? What's the destination? What's the point? Matter of fact, if we're all honest as human beings, we have gave up on the purpose of the consistency in our devotional life because we didn't even understand the purpose of it and the point. We lost the destination. We missed the target. The target of your, desti- of your devotional life should be that through prayer, through reading, through worshiping, through meditating, once you behold him, stop and stay there. Stay right there. You know what David in Psalms, when it says Selah, he beheld Jesus and he stopped. I'm not leaving. It's like Moses when he says, I, won't, I don't want to go anywhere where your presence is not with me. I'm not leaving here. It's Mary at the, at, on her knees at, at Jesus' feet. He said, she's chosen, chosen the most glorious thing. Why would she get up from this moment? You behold him. See, is it to feel justified in your spiritual disciplines? Or is it to behold Jesus in his presence? Is it to check off of your list a spiritual duty? Or is it to be captivated by him? Listen, I may not be captivated every time I practice one of these exercises, but that's my heart. I don't want to just... Let's all be honest, we've all read the Bible and got nothing out of it and just moved on. Read until you see him, until you are beheld by him. Pray until the presence of God comes. If the song is not hitting, change the song. Get the song that brings you into his glory and put it on repeat. Until you don't feel the glory anymore. Because God's a relational God. So he's not going to be confined to your equation. He wants you to move and adjust and recalibrate to follow his presence. So when the song stops hitting, find a new song. If you're in the middle of the Bible and you're like, (laughs) there's a guy in here, his name uh, rhymes with Navid. I'm not going to say who it is, you know, I don't want to call him out, but we were just talking earlier about he's, he's, on, a, he's on this, this goal to read the entire Bible. 
uh, in, in one year. That is a magnificent goal. But God, if I don't feel like I'm beholding Jesus in Leviticus, I'm changing the book. I'm just moving on. I'll re-hit it some other time. But I want to behold him. There's a reason. It's so valuable. Listen to me. We're going to get to it. It's so valuable that you behold Jesus. I love what Alan Redpath said. He's a well-known British evangelist. He said, give up the struggle and fight. Relax in the omnipotence of the Lord Jesus. Look up into his face and behold him. Three points about beholding Jesus. Then next we're going to talk about beholding what he beholds. But three points about beholding Jesus. Number one, I think you all know this, but just to refresh your memory, we were created to behold God. How many of you know that God created mankind to literally walk with him? To fellowship with God, to know God. We know this because God creates Adam and then God doesn't disappear. God creates Adam and then out of everywhere in the world where God, this is the thing that just reiterates the fact that God will go to every measure and effort for you to be as close to him as possible. God doesn't uh, create the garden, put man, uh, Adam in the garden, and then be like, I'm somewhere on the globe, 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 come find me. He puts them in a small space and says, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to stay wherever you are. God is like the, it's like the annoying sibling that just won't leave you alone. Just like, get off me. Your kid, it's the brother or sister that you back up into. Like, why were you standing there? This is God. God wants to be where you are. So out of everywhere in the world, he creates a garden, and he's like, I'm not leaving either because I wanted you so that we could fellowship. So he stays in the garden. He allows himself to be seen and known to be beheld and be held by him. We see evidence of this in uh, Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve absolutely just fail. They eat the fruit. And then what does it say? It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, they heard the loud, uh, the, uh, they heard the loud uh, noise of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I told uh, Pastor Rick this the other day. Was God just big and heavy-footed? Or was it, as Scripture says, that even the trees and the branches will clap their hands at the presence of the Lord? Could it be that everything in the garden was making noise when God walked by? Come on. They heard him because they heard everything around him worshiping him. And so here's Adam trying to hide. And it says that they heard him in the, uh, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In other words, he's coming to find them. What does this tell us? This tells us that God intended to be a physical, visible pre- presence, presence in the life of mankind. He never intended for separation to happen. He purposed to be present so that his creation could behold him. Which brings me to my next point, number two. We weren't created just to behold God. We were created to behold him so that we can bear his image and his likeness. There's a very clear purpose behind the beholding. So that we can bear his image and his likeness. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, read this. And he is the radiance of his glory 
in the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Let me stop right here. The reason why people look at the Old Testament so problematically and they find these scriptures that they pull out to justify why God hates people and why they hate God is because they do not read the Old Testament through the New Testament. You can't read the Old Testament and fully understand the heart of God without seeing it through Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect theology. He is the exact representation of who God is. So he comes in flesh and says, if you have any questions about what God is like, look no further. Here I am. I will answer every question about what you think Jesus or God is. He's full of grace and truth. He's the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all the things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. To behold Jesus is to behold not only his exact representation, but to see the likeness God designed you to bear. So that you would see who you were supposed to be. It's not just to behold him. See, church can be some so vertically, so vertical and not horizontal that we revel in beholding Jesus, but we never become likened to other people. We think beholding Jesus is for our sole benefit but it actually has a horizontal application. That's why I said likeness, not image, because listen, we were all created in God's image. Every one of us looks like Jesus, but not everyone acts like Jesus. That's what likeness is all about. See, we all look like God because we were created in his image, but just because we look like God doesn't mean we act like God. Acting like God is what likeness is is all about. Image speaks of looking like. Likeness speaks of acting like. To have God's likeness is to have his character. When Adam was separated, listen, I thought this was so profound, maybe it's just me, but when Adam was separated from God's presence after the original sin, there was never a question that that was God's son because he bore his image. But what was questioned was whether or not Adam had God's character. They knew that's God's son, but was he acting like his father? See, we were created to behold God, not so much to bear his image, but to have his likeness. When Adam was created, he had, it's just, I, I really hope that I communicate this clearly, clearly. Adam was created in God's image, and he was created in his likeness. That's what scripture says. So who is he going to turn to to know how he's supposed to live? That's why we were meant to behold him. We already have his image. It's undeniable, but we may not have his likeness. So when Adam gets kicked out of the garden, he has nowhere, no one to look to as a reference point about how he's supposed to now be like. That's why it was so, and it, it, it created and perpetuated this pattern of just sinful behavior because he no longer has a mirror. He's separated from the Father. He's separated from God to know what he is supposed to be like. That's when it went downhill. 
we were created to behold God. He had nobody but God. Adam was to be God's shadow. He was to mirror and imitate God's character to learn what he was supposed to be like as he was made in his image. And the way he did that is through beholding him. So when he was separated from God, what suffered most was his ability to act like God, to bear his likeness because God was no longer visible for him to behold. Likeness is about reflecting what you are beholding. When Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he was inviting people to behold him because he beholds Jesus. If you're like me, you can guarantee that you're like God because that's my destination, is to be like him. And God has called us to bear his likeness, not just his image. Romans 8, 29. Listen to the, the specific word here. For he knew all about us uh, before we were born, and he destined us to, from the beginning to share what? The likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. We were created to behold God so that we can conform to his likeness. David Wilkerson, I put this in the midweek article. Listen, David Wilkerson, great pastor from New York. We grow in conforming to Christ and devotion to Christ by seeing more and more of Christ. That's what beholding is. And that, this is my last point. When you behold Jesus, you become like him. You become like him. God did not create us, listen, to behold him so that we see what we are meant to be like and then tells us to get, work, get to work and work it all out. God doesn't leave us without the empowerment to become what we're beholding. He doesn't just say, hey, this is who you're supposed to be. I'm perfect, therefore be perfect. If you're not perfect, it's all on you and your fault. When we behold him, we become like him. I think 1 John says, when you see Jesus, you will become like him. So before, that speaks about when we are standing face to face with Jesus in eternity, when we see him, we'll become perfect like him. But there is something called sanctification, which is the process of you continuing to be like God on the earth as you behold him. Whatever you most behold is what you most become. If you behold money, you become greedy. Whatever you most behold is what you become. The Bible actually shows us two examples of this. Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai. God gives him the Ten Commandments and says, you guys have like eight more minutes. You got eight more minutes? Amen. Okay. Amen. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. God gives him the Ten Commandments. It says in verse 29, it came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. He didn't know. That's beholding. You know when you lose weight, you don't realize it. First, everyone else around you realizes it. They don't, you necessarily don't notice it. You don't think a whole lot is happening. But as you're losing weight, other people are like, have you lost weight? That always feels good. Right? Maybe not one to two pounds, but when you get the 10 pound marker, you may not feel like a whole lot has changed. We have a dog, the dog, 
we got a Christmas two months old. Every time people haven't been around our house for a month, they come back. They're like, that dog is huge. You're like, really? Because you've seen the incremental transformation. Moses was in God's glory and didn't even know that his face was shining until he went around people that never had that experience. So can I tell you what happens when you behold Jesus? People will find out before you find out. And you're like, oh, is my face glowing? I didn't know. Have you ever looked into the sun and then you can't see anything? Yep. That's what happens when you behold Jesus. You're blind to your own transformation. When you behold him, people will start, start to see the fruit of what you beholded long before you even notice a transformation. Moses comes down from the mountain and, and has to be around other people that weren't on the mountain for him to find out that he was even transformed. And so here's Moses, and it goes on to say this. So when Aaron and all the sons saw Moses, behold, pay attention, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons, sometimes I read verses to see how much I can do without taking another breath. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything like the dude that was selling micromachines like 15 years ago. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with them, he would take it off. <laughs> you either leave it on or leave it off. Your choice. He would take off the veil until he came out, and whenever he came out, he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded. The sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would place the veil over his face until he went in to speak with them. Listen, Moses' face was not glowing because of his own glory. Let's take it a step further. Moses wasn't even glowing because of his own holiness or righteousness. Listen, Moses was glowing because of what he was beholding. And as a result, he was becoming like that which he was beholding. His transformation was not the result of effort and striving and principle application and working hard. He saw God's face, and in beholding God, he was becoming like God. Going back to a quote from Alan Radpath that I read this morning, he said this, he said, when you look into his lovely face and as you behold him, he will transform you into his likeness. I love this part. This is so good. You do the beholding, he does the transforming. <laughs> there is no shortcut to holiness. Never underestimate the value of beholding Jesus. Matt Chandler says it this way. Man, this is, and, and I hope that you understand this, because this is where we can get, we can, we can get saved, we can have years in the church, and we can feel like we no longer need to behold Jesus because we got our bases covered. We're good. And I love what Matt Chandler said. He hits it right on the head. He says, some people are so moral, they feel like they have no need for Jesus. But true worshipers know they are in deep need of Jesus Christ and are transformed morally by beholding Jesus and seeing their lives transformed by the Spirit's power from the inside out rather than conformed to a pattern of religion from the outside in. When we behold Jesus, we will become like him. But here's what happens. 
If you do not behold Jesus, you will not continue to be aware of the areas where your life is not conformed to the pattern and likeness of Jesus. So you will begin to believe a lie because you aren't going from glory to glory. You have stopped at a glory spot and said, I'm good. I don't need anything. You become increasingly aware of where you need be tra to be transformed when you continue to behold him. Yeah. Have you ever came to a point where you're like, I'm good, I'm fine. Have you beholded him? Because you will become like Isaiah. Can I tell you something? I am 30, 37 years old, but I am increasingly aware of areas that have not yet been transformed. That when I was 22 or 23, they weren't even on my radar. But thank God I beheld Jesus to become more increasingly aware of where I am not holy. But we don't just, we aren't just left there. Because when we see him, we become like him. Another example of beholding and becoming is Jesus in Luke 9. Can I tell you something? Could it be that every time that Jesus went to pray alone with his father, it was so that he beheld his father so that he could be like his father in the earth? Maybe when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, everyone was just seeing what Jesus did on his own before his father. It says that he did not become white and gleaming until he started to pray. Why? Because in praying, he was beholding the glory of his father, and he was simply reflecting what he was beholding. Even Jesus needed to behold God. We were created to behold him. We behold him to bear his likeness. But the beauty of it all is that if we will behold him, we will become like him. One of the things that was so amazing about Moses' transformation and beholding God and Jesus' transformation and praying to his father was that it was an effortless transformation. They weren't working hard. They were just focusing on God. They were fixing their eyes. Now, how, what does all of that mean? Scripture promises us that if we behold Jesus, Jesus transformation will happen. 2 Corinthians 3.18, listen to this. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. As we behold, we are being transformed like in a mirror. Now, normally, what we, I love this illustration because anytime we look into a mirror, we're just seeing ourselves, right? But when you behold God, you are seeing yourself, but you're seeing who you are supposed to be. You're looking at the likeness you're supposed to bear. And as you see Jesus in the mirror, as you behold him, there's a transformation that begins to take place where you begin to greater resemble what you're beholding. How does this work? It, how does that happen? How does that happen without effortlessness? Listen, it's like how you get vitamin D when you're exposed to sunlight. No one's working hard to get vitamin D. You don't wake up with a vitamin D deficiency and you're like, I need to spend an hour, hour in the sun. I'm going to chase wherever the sun is. If it's overcast, I'm running to where I can see the sun. Like you're not striving to get vitamin D. Okay? But listen to me. 
when you're out in the sun, there is an effortless transaction that takes place. As you soak up the sun, what do you get? Vitamin D. You aren't actively trying to get vitamin D. Vitamin D just happens effortlessly as you are exposed to the sun. But here's what's interesting. The vitamin D, and this is where it gets good, the vitamin D would never be produced in you if there wasn't something already inside of your body that could take the sun's UV rays and begin to perform a process of transformation into the vitamin D. In your skin is a healthy cholesterol. And as you are out in the exposure of the sun, it literally starts a process of synthesis of taking the UV rays and transforming it into vitamin D in your body. Listen to me this morning. There is a Holy Spirit inside of you that as you expose yourself to the presence of God, as you behold him, the Holy Spirit in you will begin to effortlessly take that glory that you're beholding and begin to transform you from the inside out. When you get into God's presence and you behold his glory, that Holy Spirit gets revived and refreshed because he's like, oh, I see myself again. And I'm about to take the glory that you're beholding and begin to transform you from the inside out into that image and into that likeness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We would be, for another word, we would be so screwed if we beheld the glory and we had it was all on us. Thank God that you have a healthy cholesterol in your skin and you've got a Holy Spirit inside of you to take the radiance of God's glory and begin to process, take a, make a process of transformation from the inside out to where you behold, you are beholding him and you're becoming like him and peep, you won't even notice the transformation. Have you ever had sinful desires just die over the course of your life? Beholding. Beholding. When you see him, you become like him. Behold, and you will become. (laughs) Now, here's what's crazy. I didn't even know this until I actually looked up uh, a word here. But here's the crazy thing about the word behold. One of the definitions is to retain through absorbing. That's what you're doing in the sun. You're not striving. You're just absorbing. There is a process of spiritual osmosis where a transfer takes place as you behold God, where you begin to be transformed into his image and his likeness. And it it wasn't even hard. It was because you were becoming what you were beholding. But let me stop right here because this is where we're going to go next week. Is the beholding so that you can become like him for your enjoyment? Or is it because you are to replicate his image and likeness in a horizontal sense to the people that don't know who God is? Mm, Let me just stop right here and just end on a really high note. Some of the things that I see on Facebook are not bearing his likeness from Christians. And you know what's funny, Dwight? Pastor Dwight, bishop, apostle, evangelist, (laughs) prophet. This is where it comes, okay? You ready for this? Because the Holy Spirit just, even the Holy Spirit will talk about Facebook. (laughs) Some of the comments that Christians make on Facebook 
is an indication that they have beheld Facebook more than Jesus. And so the reality is right. you are bearing the likeness of what you're beholding. That's right. Come on. To be super cheesy, get off Facebook and get your face in this book. Yes, hallelujah. Will you stand Amen. with me? Amen. <laughs> Will you stand with me? But we, say we, all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord, the Spirit. It is the Spirit inside of you that causes you to become like Him when you behold Him. So behold Him. I don't care if it takes... I, look... Here's a transformation for me. Sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning, what was my uh, tendency was to just scroll through social media until I got tired and went back to bed. But as I have beheld the Lord, I, don't, I can't explain it, but those 3 a.m., times have become meetings with Jesus. And it's because, listen, it's because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God jealously, earnestly desires the Spirit that's in you. I don't know why I don't want to scroll anymore, but all I can do is add it up to when you behold Him, you will become like Him, and there's transformation that's effortless, that doesn't require striving. Behold Jesus. If you're here this morning and you have never, uh, you heard the sermon, maybe you're not familiar with church and you've never like given your life to Jesus, it's so simple. All it just means is you believe and you're inviting him to have influence in your life. Just start there. You don't have to have all your eggs in one basket. You don't have to be perfect. Just start there. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to take that moment, and then we're going to pray over the, the, the message. So if that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to make today the day where you say, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 want to, I want to know this God. I want to behold this God. If that's you this morning, will you just slip your hand up so that I can see it? Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray this prayer together. And the power is not in the prayer. The power is what has already tr- happened in your heart. Say, Jesus, I invite you in to have your way in my life. Today, I ask you to begin a transformation to make me more like you. Help me to follow you. Help me to be led by you. I 
thank you that you made a way for me. That you died on the cross. You rose again. That I could have abundant life in you. So I pray for the rest of my life that I will be led for the rest of my days by you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, anybody want to behold Jesus? For a fresh way. A fresh way. Let's pray Jesus right now. Right now, Jesus. I pray that we would behold you. God, the spirit inside of us yearns so jealously for reconnection with you. God, I pray that there would be an awakening today. God, for those in the room that have seen you but have not beheld you, God, I pray that they would have a fresh encounter with seeing you face to face and they would begin to have this effortless transformation as they fix their eyes on you. I pray we would be a beholding church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Listen, if you're new, if you're a visitor this morning, we would like our pastoral staff to come and get to know you and be introduced to you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Have an amazing day.